Starting Saturday, 11th of September, Season 2 of Author Question Time on Ross Jeffrey's YouTube channel. Join Bram Stoker Award-nominated author Ross Jeffrey alongside co-hosts T.C. Parker and Kev Harrison as they discuss books, writing and creativity with huge names in horror and dark fiction like Josh Malaman and Alan Baxter, alongside some of the most exciting new voices on the indie scene such as Eric LaRocca, Hayley Piper and Laurel Hightower. Come, bring your questions, join in the conversation. Looking for your next horror writing podcast fix? The This Is Horror podcast for readers, writers, and creators is the ultimate show for writing advice, tips, and a personal look into the lives of all your favorite authors. This is Horror Podcast. Listen in to long-form conversations with some of the best writers and creatives on the planet. Over 400 episodes with masters of horror such as Joe R. Lansdale, Chuck Palahniuk, Josh Mallerman, Joe Hill, Charlene Harris, Craig Clevenger, Ellen Datlow, Kathy Koja, and many more. The This Is Horror Podcast. Listen in at www.thisishorror.com. That's the This Is Horror Podcast for readers, writers, and creators. Don't Break the Oath is the fourth volume of the Women in Horror Anthologies from Candisha Press. Featuring a foreword from the VP of the HWA, Megan O'Curry, and stories from 23 women from all around the world. Candles will burn as we speak our dark oath. Edited by Jill Girardi and Janine Pipe. Don't Break the Oath will be out in ebook and paperback on Halloween. Thank you. It was as if the video had unzipped my skin, slunk inside my tapered flesh, and become one with me. From the creator of This Is Horror comes a new nightmare for the digital age, The Girl in the Video by Michael David Wilson. After a teacher receives a weirdly arousing video, his life descends into paranoia and obsession. More videos follow, each containing information no stranger could possibly know. But who's sending them, and what do they want? The answers may destroy everything and everyone he loves. The girl in the video is the ring meets fatal attraction for the iPhone generation. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Deadhead Space Spotlights. This is a mini episode with a reading. This is part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unbearing the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. And uh, speaking of which, uh, the next episode will be coming out in a few weeks. It's going to be me, Brennan Ken, usual host with our uh, guest host, Chad Lutsky. We are covering... What are we covering there, Brian? Burnt we Offerings? Burnt Offerings by Robert Morasco. 
There we go. Very good, sir. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we are talking to Bree Morgan, and she's come out with quite a few books. So uh, let's just hear from Bree and uh, real quick say hi, Bree. Sorry about that. That's okay. Hello. Let's talk about what book that you are going to be reading from tonight. And um, if you want to actually talk about real quick, a few other books, because you had a few come out this year. Uh, it, it was all last year. Um, oh, last year. It, my fault. Yeah, it just, I mean, it, time is relative. Time doesn't really <laughs> feel real. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I published, I think, three books last year and this just one this year. But. It, it took me almost the whole year to do it, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> I will say, you know, we had you on for your first episode. It, it, now that I'm thinking of it, it was to talk about the trick-or-treater, but also Unboxed. And that would have been like a year ago. That's wild. It does not feel that long ago. Yeah. Um, I noticed on the on the Skype like call log history, it said about a year ago. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I've been busy. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up right now when we had you on. So, well, Patrick Googles, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your upcoming book? Uh, comes out a few days from when we are recording this. Sure, yeah. So the book is called Mouthful of Ashes. It is an adult vampire novella, and it's basically my love letter to the Lost Boys. And the best way I can think of to pitch it is it's the Lost Boys, but queer. That's so. nice. Everyone's a little bit gay because, I mean, like, after, you know, <laughs> so many millennia, what are you going to do? I'm a little you know? bit gay for John Krasinski. He'll put that out there. <laughs> and as we discussed pretty privately and on air, I believe, Tony Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Bree came on season one, episode 58, that released December 7, 2020. Wow. Yeah. So, we're going to be, we're closer to our two-year anniversary than I realized. That's crazy. Yeah, time doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, how about if it's if you want to, we can just jump into the reading and, and talk about it after, or we can go through questions and then do a reading. It's up to you. I will go ahead and I'll read. I'll be reading the first chapter. So I'll, I will go ahead and start. If Callie had known what would happen, she would have paid less attention to the radio station, would have focused more on the light in her sister's eyes, on the curve of her mouth as she smiled on her freckles, on her friendship bracelet, which Callie and her brother had the other pieces of. But the tragedy of life is never knowing what comes next. Would you rather eat only ice cream for the rest of your life or cake, Callie's sister Becca asked. This is the worst game I've ever played, said Callie's brother Ramsey. These questions are supposed to be morbid, Bex. Come on now. Ice cream, for sure, Callie answered. But Ramsey's right. You're supposed to ask something dark and a little tricky. You know that. Becca sighed. It doesn't feel like the right vibe for that. I'm relaxed from a day in the sun. You're the only one who didn't get burned, Callie said. I reapplied my sunscreen. It's not my fault neither of you listened to me. Would you rather die in a car crash or a fire, Ramsey asked. Maybe Becca's right, Callie said. It's not the right vibe. Callie and her siblings had stayed at the beach until the sky turned pink and purple as the sunset and storm clouds loomed on the horizon. All the other beachgoers had left. Callie and Becca sat back to back on the beach blanket. Beside them, Ramsey lounged in a folding chair with his legs stretched out and his feet in the sand. 
The oldest of the group, Callie had straight, shoulder-length brown hair and intense brown eyes. Her upturned nose scrunched when she laughed. She'd graduated from high school three years earlier and had next to nothing to show for it. She didn't know what to do for a living. Becca, meanwhile, had dropped out of high school this past year, her and Ramsey's senior year, to pursue cosmetology school. Her face was softer than Callie's and kinder. They shared the same eyes, but that was where the similarities between them ended. Becca's hair was reddish brown and curled over her collarbone. The wind whipped strands of it around her face. Ramsey was pure ginger with unruly red hair, freckles, and brown eyes that looked almost orange in the sunlight. His nose was crooked where a jock had broken it the year before, but rather than tough, it made him look reckless. They were so white that after a day in the sun, they should have been red as lobsters. Only Ramsey and Callie were sunburned. Becca's sole affliction was her stomach hurt from laughing. Becca was the first one to address the fast approaching clouds. Let's leave before the rain starts. Let's stay a little longer, Ramsey replied. Becca groaned. That's what you said an hour ago. I have class in the morning, Ram. He rolled his eyes. Beauty school barely counts. Callie laughed and Becca scoffed, leaning over to punch his arm. Not enough school for your face, Becca counted. Becca countered. You're twins, Callie pointed out. Not identical, Becca said, laughing. Ramsey leaned over and shoved Becca's shoulder. The sun had even burned his scalp, a salmon glow peeking through his hair. I'll drive, okay? We'll be back before you turn into a pumpkin, I promise. Becca rolled her eyes. I'd feel better if Callie drove. Why, because I drive like a grandma, Callie asked. Doesn't make us love you any less, said Ramsey. They stood, shook the sand out of the blanket, folded up the chair, grabbed the cooler, and trekked back to Ramsey's Honda Pilot. Callie offered to drive, but Ramsey declined, sliding into the driver's seat. Becca sat beside her brother in the passenger seat, and Callie climbed into the back. Before he could start the engine, Ramsey's phone pinged. Storm will be bad. Guess we should have left sooner, he said, frowning down at the screen. Becca huffed but said nothing as Ramsey started the pilot. They drove out of the parking lot and onto the main road. Ramsey filled with the radio, but Becca pushed his hand away and tuned the station to NPR. The host droned on about unrest in the Middle East, some report that Callie only half listened to. One minute, the sky was overcast, and Ramsey had no trouble driving. The next, the sky opened, and Ramsey swore as rain flooded the roads. He had a white-knuckled grip on the wheel, but he still smiled at Callie in the rearview mirror. She always scowled at him when he drove. Later, the memory of the faces she'd pulled would rack her with even more guilt. You're safe with me, he promised. Eyes on the road, hands at ten and two. Pay attention, Becca chided. Ramsey rolled his eyes. On the radio, NPR dissolved into broken static. Becca reached for the dial, but Ramsey swatted her hand away. Uh-uh, you chose last time. Now it's my... Ramsey! Callie wasn't sure the scream was hers until Ramsey's eyes widened in the mirror, illuminated by the flash of headlights. They'd traveled over the line into oncoming traffic close enough to see the terrified people in the other car. Ramsey jerked the wheel to the right and overcompensated. The car screeched, tilted, Becca gasped, and Callie's world flipped with the car. The front airbags exploded in clouds of white. The screech of metal on pavement, blaring horns, and crash of shattering glass overwhelmed her, and she squeezed her eyes shut. If only Callie had driven instead. If only it hadn't rained. If only they'd left earlier, as they'd planned. If only one of those factors had been different, 
Callie wouldn't have blacked out upside down in the back seat, slammed forward in her seatbelt so hard she cracked a rib. She woke to the acrid stench of gasoline and motor oil, the sounds of sobbing and sirens, and the copper taste of blood thick and heavy on her tongue. Where Callie tried to move, but the seatbelt kept her pinned in place, and her ribs protested the effort. Sharp pain flared in her side and spread across her chest. The dashboard pinged. The car thought a door had been left open. Intermittent flashes of red light made the cabin pulse like a heartbeat. Glass tinkled as someone moved. Ramsey groaned, but that was good. He was still alive. Also upside down, he struggled to unclip his seatbelt before giving up. Callie, Ramsey croaked. Yeah, Ram, she said. I'm here. Becca, he ventured. Callie froze. Something told her not to look for their sister, that she was better off not knowing, but she had to know. She had to. Ram, be careful, she said. Don't move her to... Ramsey touched Becca's shoulder. She leaned out the window, making it impossible to see her head or face. Ramsey shook Becca. No response. He looked back at Callie, eyes pleading, asking what neither one of them wanted to answer. Try again. Callie's voice was hoarse. A little harder. Becca. Ramsey shook her shoulder more insistently. Becca made no sound, and he tried again. Bex, please, I need you. We need you. Callie's vision tunneled. She fought the urge to pass out. She had to know what had happened to Becca if she was alive. Ramsey surged forward in his seat. He grabbed Becca's shoulder with both hands and pulled her into the cabin. She slumped, she slumped against the dashboard. Becca's head was gone. Callie clasped her hands over her mouth to stifle a scream and looked out the window. The red light continued to flash, draping her sister's severed head in a crimson glow as it lay in a sea of broken safety glass, revealing an expression of terror on, terror on Becca's face that equaled Callie's own. Very, very nice. Yes. Thank you. And as soon as you told us you were going to read with uh, read chapter one, that's exactly what I thought of the line. Becca's head was gone. I said, she's going to. That's how we hook a reader, Bray. <laughs> a, a jump scare, but not a jump scare. It's a book. It's a little tougher to pull off. But, you know, a, a, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful attempt at it. Um, I, and I and I had the honor to read this book uh, a few days before it came out. No big deal, but uh, it's fantastic. Um, and I can't wait to see you know you start to get responses once it releases and people start picking it up. So you touched a little bit on why you chose to write a vampire book. It's your love letter to the Lost Boys, um, and it's also gay as fuck. Yeah. Um, that's that's very it's, it's a pervasive theme throughout. But uh, so I want to know one of my favorite things when I read vampire books uh, done, you know, more modernly and werewolves and things like that. What did what kind of thought process did you go through to kind of create your own mythos, taking the classic legend and put your own spin on it? Yeah, so this one, I feel I feel kind of bad because I mostly borrowed from the Lost Boys, but I also took a little bit from uh, Fright Night and from What We Do in the Shadows, and I kind of, you know, took took a little here and took a little there, and then I smashed it together with the Lost Boys lore to kind of make my own. And basically, I just kind of picked and chose what I felt worked best for the story. Um, there was a lot, there's a lot of vampire lore that I don't 
that I think is too silly or I didn't feel fit the tone of the book. For example, garlic, like it didn't feel right to me that my vampires would be susceptible to garlic. So I, I left that out. And, uh, the idea of crosses being more offensive than anything. I thought, um, I had a lot of fun with that. And obviously in the lost boys, you know, garlic is actually deadly and the, the holy water's deadly and the crosses are deadly. So it's, it's a little more intense. I, I always like the kind of idea because, you know, and anybody off the street, horror fan or not, can, you know, name three or four Achilles heels to, you know, a vampire in traditional mm-hmm. mythology. I always love when I read something. It's like garlic. Are you fucking kidding me? Like garlic. What, what do you? <laughs> yeah, it's just um, a spice. Yeah, it's a spice. It's not going to do anything. Um so, you know, you mentioned that this is your adult vampire book. Um, and uh, I found that uh, especially once we got, um, you know, past the halfway point, you were not afraid to get uh, a little steamy on there. So yeah. I wonder, was that um, something that you thought about before you even sat down to start it? Or is that just where the story took you? Um, it's a little bit of both. I I was definitely open to that kind of thing happening. I wasn't sure where it was going to happen or who with, but it vampires i mean vampires are sexy that's just that's just what they are so i knew there was going to be some aspect (laughs) of that in there and you know when you've been around for hundreds of years or whatever you're you're open to a lot more like sexual experimentation for example and your sexuality is a little more fluid maybe so i was like you know i don't know i don't know who's going to do it but i knew somebody was going to hook up in this book that's a good point yeah like if you're living for a while I mean, you're probably going to try and if you, a few new things, not just yeah. with sex, but with whatever. Yeah, I mean, you, you get bored. You got you to gotta spice it up. Yeah. Um, that scene going to the, uh, I think it was the very last scene of your reading with the sister's head. Like, that's, <laughs> man, that, that's some crazy shit that I was imagining. I love it. I love how you just have a few focal points and dial into that. So I, too, am pretty interested to see what the feedback is uh now this episode airs the uh, 21st of october so i think that means it's a pretty great read for halloween <laughs> what, what do you Obviously. think brandon <laughs> i think that would work perfectly so i mean, I mean it, I, I, i'm gonna it looks pretty scary this is yeah. an audio medium i just remembered so this no, is, it's, it's, this it's, is it's, nothing but the cover is very scary yeah. No, it's, it's video, too, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Let's talk over <laughs> real quick. You, uh, you went with uh, Keelan Patrick Burke. Was that kind of first choice, or did you did you have something in mind and you just thought his style would fit it? Um, after what he did for me with Trick or Treater, I pretty much knew he was going to do this one. Um, I started writing this one when I was, I was still editing Trick or Treater. And I, I could tell from the tone, I was like, oh, yeah, Keelan's probably going to work on this one, too. Yeah, That's it's really cool. it's an awesome. You want to hold it up one more time for video? Yeah, people? and he, I mean, he's he's great, obviously. he's He does such phenomenal work. He's easy to work with and everything. I think he popped he popped this concept out, and then I I requested almost no changes. I don't he just know why got I did it. He got places, right all the... I was like, what's what's wrong? That was a, we were just talking about how we've been doing this for almost two years and you still haven't learned how to work the keyboard. Nope. It's terrific. Uh, so, 
Brie, weird, weird question, since the book technically hasn't even been released yet, but uh, readers who pick this up and enjoy it, uh, do you think that they can expect to visit Neat Bay again? Um, <laughs> so I have never written a series, but I like my endings to be ambiguous in general anyway. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea, but right now I'm not I'm not necessarily planning for it to happen. I guess it it will depend a lot on what the reception is, I think. Okay. I have a couple I have a couple ideas for how I could expand it if I wanted to. So I'm not I'm not completely closed off, but it would take a lot of I think um a lot of learning on my part how to write a series. And just make it up as you go along. That's what that's I, what the greats yeah. do. <laughs> That's a great answer. So since this is coming out a uh, week before Halloween or a little bit ten after days. Yeah, 10 days, math. let's just talk about, yeah, math. Sorry. Let's just talk about Halloween real quick. Do you have any plans or do you have any traditions, anything that you want to tell us a little bit behind the scenes on the creator of some pretty uh, awesome books? Uh, Gabe and I were just talking about this at dinner. He's like, I can't, you have some weird like rituals for Halloween. I don't really <laughs> understand it, but <laughs> So there, there's, there are certain movies that I have to watch every year. Um, it's just been that way for like as long as I can remember. Um, so it's the original Pet Cemetery, uh, Carrie, um, ugh, Cabin Fever. It's not even good. I don't know why that one. Hunter. I don't Hunter. know why that one. Sean Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cabin Fever for some reason. Um, what else is in there? Cujo. It's honestly a lot of it is just they're just movies that were on AMC Fear Fest during the day that I happened to catch like at an impressionable age and I just kept watching them through the years. That was um, the original Shudder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yep. And that that's one of the only things I miss about cable is around this time of year when all the Fear Fest stuff starts. I'm like, oh, I miss just like flipping the channel and catching a movie that was, you know, I shouldn't have seen at, at 12 or 13. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a question. I hear this all the time. I would imagine that everyone's got a variation on this phrase. Uh, you said, um, make it queer as fuck. I really like to know in your own words, what that means. Cause there could be listeners that say, I, I don't get it. So, you know, um, yeah. So I, as a queer woman, I, don't see myself represented in a lot of media typically. Um, and in horror, I would say there's more representation in horror, um, with queer characters, but a lot of times the queer characters are just like, they're there for just laugh value, um, like comedic, you know, comedic timing and whatnot, or they're, they're just killed off right away, or, you know, they're not really given the space to be actual people. And, um, when, when I write, I want to make sure that the people are just people. So sometimes the people are straight, sometimes they're not straight. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's not necessarily a plot point of my books, but it is, it does come up. I'm not, I don't try to keep it a secret what anyone's sexuality is for the most part. I mean, in mouthful of ashes, there's a, there's a ton of, there's a ton of sibling discussion of sexuality, which is, I personally would die if I had to talk to my brother about sex at all. So <laughs> I don't writing. That was wild. Uh, now you got kind of on board with that. Yes. 
I've never had that talk with my sister, and she's on her way for a second kid. So, like, I think we're, you know, we got a good track record on our end. Like, yeah, <laughs> you probably had sex. You have a baby. It's we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> you just assume, and then you just move on. <laughs> so, uh, where can people follow you? Um, everywhere. I am on. I'm on Twitter as Brie Morgan Books, and on Instagram, Brianna Morgan Books, and TikTok as Brianna Morgan Books, and I have a website. Which is BriannaMorganBooks.com. So, I actually haven't talked to anyone about this. Writers, TikTok seems like it's starting to be a big thing in the book world. What What's your experience with it? Um, unfortunately, I think it's a necessary evil, but I I don't think enough people are using it correctly. Um, I see a lot of people who are using, like a lot of authors who go on there. And they use it to like offer writing advice to other writers, which is fine if you like doing that. But if you want to really like connect with other like people who love horror and you want to market your book to readers, you need to get into more of like the book talk community. So you need to be sharing, you know, your favorite reads and sharing other authors you love and things like that. Not just talking about your own stuff or talking about writing. Hmm. So that's I mean. It's kind of like a strategy thing. I think it can work really well for some people. Maybe it won't work for others. But I, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be more about writing books and publishing books than marketing them. So if if you don't like TikTok, it's not a big deal. <laughs> That's interesting because I've I've been thinking of TikTok and Twitch for the podcast. I don't know enough about it, so that's kind of why I asked. And you never know who's listening that might want to know that info too. So thank you for that. Um, now, Brennan, before we wrap up, do you have any final questions, sir? No, but I would like to point out that this is the second episode in a row that we have referenced Ryder Strong, a.k.a. Sean Hunter of Boy Meets World and uh, <laughs> Cabin Fever. I wonder if we can find a way to work it into like the next episode, because that'd be wild. I, well, what, what's he been in recently? Because like nothing. Was, that's why. Be, that's why it's so weird. <laughs> I think cabin fever was the last thing, and then he was just like, "Oh no, it's I can't show my face after that one." Damn you, Eli Roth. Uh. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have any final thoughts, Bree? Um, I have a lot of thoughts, but none of them <laughs> final. <laughs> that's awesome. Well played, Brennan. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, that was my final. No, I um I do wanna I do wanna let uh, listeners know that uh, Bree is gonna come back and join us in November. We're gonna be doing a roundtable discussion with Brianna Morgan, uh, Sonora Taylor, Michael Clark, and Scott J. Moses. We're gonna be talking about the pros and cons and everything you ever wanted to know about self publishing. That's gonna be fun. My final thoughts, uh, Bree. We love talking to you. Um, I really hope that people kind of watch us and. Buy it for a Halloween read. That'd be great. And if they do, let us know. And if you are listening to this and you buy it for a Halloween read, let us know at dead underscore headspace is our Twitter. Um, next episode is, well, I'm going to cut this part out. I actually don't know for once. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that Surprise. up. Surprise. <laughs> I actually don't know. It's too far ahead. Uh, it's so exciting that we can't even mention it here. And... <laughs> Just tease it, just like cut it, cut it off right there. You are now leaving. Deadhead space. That's pretty fucking funny. I'm gonna do that. 
Um, Brennan, sign us up. <laughs> Bria, I want you to believe that he only pulls this shit that get with guests we know well, but <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> Listeners, you have many choices in podcasts. Thanks for choosing us. <laughs> I- I'm curious. Now, was your not a series answer? Uh, was that a public answer or was that is that actually how you feel about writing it that's actually how i feel about writing it okay um i'm kind of weird about series a lot of people really love them and i don't like reading them so i've never (laughs) really been into writing them if i don't have to write one i don't want to but if if this thing like rockets my career and everyone's like i really want more vampires then i'll do it i just you know if, if I don't have to do a little more yeah. work, I don't want to do a little more work. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. It had a series vibe to me. Like, even before I got to the ending, I was like, it feels like you were trying to go for a series. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, trying too hard way. Yeah. Um, it just the Callie had like a, a feel a feel to her, like a recurring character, I guess. Probably because I was with her for fucking two years. Um, cause it took me so long to finish this book. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could, I have ideas for where I could go. I, I don't know. It would, I mean, it would be like the same idea. They would yeah. be going after someone and there would be. But, but even just like the, uh, the vampire history in Neat Bay, I feel like, you know, lends itself well to, you know, even if, you, even if it wasn't like a strict continuation, you know, I got the vibe that like that you enjoyed writing there and that you were going to end up back there, whether you fucking wanted to or not. <laughs> I think a lot of that is bleeding over from my, uh, my work in progress. Cause it's found footage. So I, I'm very much enjoying like the, the meta fiction situation. So like writing that article that yep. I put, that I put in here, I was like, Ooh, this is fun. I love making this shit up. So yeah, that's probably what it was, but. I'm glad. I'm glad it felt like a real town. Someone asked me um, where in California it would be located. And I said, I said, on the coast. And they said, there's a lot of coasts in California. <laughs> and I said, you're right. There sure is. <laughs> that wasn't on an interview. Thank God. That was just somebody asked me. And I was like, I don't know. Does it yeah. matter? Definitely either north, south, or central. Like that one of those for sure. It's somewhere. It's in California and they got a boardwalk. I don't know what you need. How many boardwalks are there? Come on now. But uh it was so funny. Keelan keeps saying like that this cover got bird boxed because she's got the it's like right over Callie's face. <laughs> <laughs> I know he, he Whenever somebody tags him in those reveals, he's like, oh, the goddamn bar. <laughs> he's so I, mad about it. I, I guess I could see that if, like, that's your medium and, like, you know, Amazon's, like, big, silly-ass gray bar. I mean, it's literally, like, her face. You could have put mm-hmm. it, like, it could have gone here. It could have gone here. It's just right over her face. Yeah. And it's not. it doesn't even feel like they have a set place for it. They just, like, they completely did it on purpose just to, yeah. you know. Also, uh, fingers crossed that my parents don't just magically decide to start reading my work with this one because <laughs> I don't want them to read this one. My dad's no. a my dad's a sports chaplain, so we just don't we don't need that. Oh, I can I see that. some parts, but he might not enjoy. <laughs> There's a few. Uh, that's like that one day I tweeted. I was like, I was like. 
The word nipple appears in this book more than zero times. <laughs> oh, Lord. I mean, it is what it is. If we had, yeah. if we had um, like, random phrases for episodes, that'd be probably the one for this one. The word nipple appears in this more than zero times. More than zero times. Yeah, I mean... I I told Gabe it's like a weird I'm I have a weird fear that people are gonna be weird about the sex scene in this one like because I've gotten some weird like DMs anyway I'm worried that people are gonna be like I tape this to my bedroom ceiling or something like oh, I don't dear. I don't want that don't tell no. me yeah we've had that conversation on this show more than once or twice you know like. You can certainly, uh, you know, let your favorite author know that you enjoyed their work, but there's a line, you know, let's not forget that, you know, we should, every once in a while, we should try and behave on the internet like we would behave in real life. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't want to with some assholes. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to know. Just, if, if you think a certain scene is sexy, just tell me you think the whole book is sexy. Yeah. 